I was hoping that video was going to play because I've been a nervous wreck since last night. I already went to the bathroom three times. Um, I just got to talk a little bit to get warmed up, make up stuff. Um, let me pray. How you guys doing, though? You doing good? All right, cool, man. Let me pray. Jesus, I, we just come before you right now, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you forgive us for our sins, Lord. You wash us white as snow, Lord. This day is for you. And I pray for anyone that's here right now, Lord, that is struggling with pornography. Lord, just like the youth, I know there's so many kids that are struggling with porn at a young age, Lord, from seven years old and up, Lord. I pray for people that are struggling with homosexuality and lesbianism, Lord. I pray for people that are struggling with drugs, alcohol, hate, greed. Lord, people that just are looking for hope in the world, God, that have no hope, Lord. I pray that you just show up in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray by the Holy Spirit that raises Jesus Christ from the dead. I pray that you blanket this place right now in the name of Jesus, God. I pray that you open the eyes to the blind and the ears to the people that cannot hear, God, that the gospel will come forth and that will penetrate their heart, Lord. I pray that you bring them home to you tonight, God, because the Spirit draws, Lord. This is not about religion. Religion is dead, God. The Holy Spirit is a threat to formalize religion, Lord. So I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you bring back to remembrance the verses and the words that you want me to say that will penetrate the heart of these hardened hearts, God, these people that are here that have hardened hearts, God. And I pray that the people that are lukewarm Christians, God, that you bring them back to yourself today, God, because this, this isn't about works, God. It's about grace, Lord. And you have so much grace for us, God. And we don't deserve anything, Lord. You died on the cross for our sins, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you just open people's eyes today, God, that you're all about love and grace and mercy, God. It's undeserved. We don't deserve any of it, Lord. But you sent your son out of eternity, Lord. It says that you hold the universe in your palms from your pinky to your thumb, Lord. You hold it. You're that big. And you sent your only begotten son out of eternity down to the earth, which is a speck in the universe, Lord, to come die for our sins from the beginning of time to the end of time, Lord. I thank you so much, God, for saving me and pulling me out of the pit of hell. Lord, I love you so much, God. We praise your holy name, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't even know how to start, man. I just know that God is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And I want to I focus on the Holy Spirit right now. Because if you're not living like the book of Acts, you're not living the real Christian walk. You're playing religion, and religion is dead, and it's going to get you nowhere. And with our ministry, we've, we've traveled around, cast the demons out of people, healed people. And I'm not here to say I'm Mr. Healer or anything. I'm just telling you by the power of the Holy Spirit what has happened. And it doesn't matter because we're all the body. If we brought someone up here right now to pray for someone, I can lay my hands on it. But the thing is, we all work together as a body. The kid in the back or the old person over here on the left, God might answer that, that one person's prayer to heal this person. We work as a body, and that's what's important about being in the body of Christ. Let me, tell, let me read a couple things about the Holy Spirit before I tell you my story. To explain this ministry, where it's like the John the Baptist ministry. You read about John the Baptist, he's the sketchy-looking dude out in the desert. His ministry was to the common man, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the religious people that day. You know, they had their holy gear on and, you know, which was probably like those guys on TV, like Benny Hanna and them. They had their, like, apparel. You know, it's cool. You know, I'm not hating. I'm just saying. So 
And they go out and they see John the Baptist and they didn't believe what he was doing, but he came to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. You know, he was out in the desert. He didn't probably shower every day. Yet Jews have curly hair. He probably had dreadlocks. You know, I look at that minute. I look at John the Baptist's ministry because it looks like the whosoever's, you know, and the whosoever's is whosoever, you know, it doesn't matter, but we're just a bunch of, you know, I don't know. God just saved us, man. We're, we're nothing. We're nothing but without, without Christ. But anyway, that, that, that's the best way I can explain the whosoever's ministry. It's just that John the Baptist's ministry. Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming again. And we got to go tell the world about it. You're going to hear where my passion and my fire comes from and what God's doing in my life from my testimony. But um, let, me, let me read something in Acts really quick. Uh, let's see. Uh, where is it now? Now I lost it. Great. All right, where's it? It's an axe. Axe. Here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what happened to me in my life. This is how the Holy Spirit came into my life. I, I grew up, and you know what? Some of you kids are here, and you're probably like, this sucks. I'm at church. I had to come. I had to wake up on Sunday. This is miserable. My dad was a pastor. He's an he's a, he's a evangelist teacher, preacher. I don't even know Christianese, man. Sorry. He preaches and, and he does evangelism stuff. And he's on the West Coast in Los Angeles. That's where I'm from. But I hated going to church. I got into porn in second grade, smoking cigarettes, second grade, saw triple X hardcore porn in fourth grade. And that did something to me. That kind of started messing with my mind. And as I grew up, got into, you know, in junior high, my brothers were part of the skinhead and punk movement in the 80s. When all that stuff birthed with Untouchables, Fishbone, No Doubt. That was before even, that was when No Doubt was a ska band and her brother was in the band. But um, that's when that whole movement started in, you know, in, in the 80s in Hollywood. Fender's Ballroom and the Roxy and all that. And then, so I grew up as a young, I grew up skateboarding my whole life. I'm a skater. And uh, I grew up under that whole punk, head, punk and skinhead movement and skating. So by the time I got to high school, got into weed, got into coke, fast forwarding, dropped out of school because I, I hated school. I sucked at it. I got out of school because I wanted, I always had this desire to do events, concerts and stuff. So I dropped out, started dating this stripper girl. I was going to school for computer graphics. I started throwing clubs. Then I started getting into the music scene in LA. And then from there, ended up hooking up with Chad Muska. Oh, actually, before I hooked up with Chad Muska, I was dating this, this girl for three years. We went through two abortions. And she never told me when she, when she was pregnant, she'd get abortions and then tell me after. And then the third one, she got pregnant. And I was with her for about four years. I was in love with this girl. And I said, well, let's just get married and try and do it right. And, and I'm using drugs all the time. I've, you know, drinking every single day, using drugs. And I try and clean up my act. And she calls me. We go to the doctors. We see the heartbeat of the kid. And uh, we go home. And she calls me two weeks later. And she says, hey, I, I can't have a kid. I'm going to get an abortion. And I remember that just, that just, crushed, that just crushed me, you know. I don't. I'm, I just started crying again since I met Jesus, but that was the first time I cried in a long time back then, and I just remember seeing, being so bitter at God, and I said, F you, God, I hate you, I want nothing to do with you, and I was bitter, I hated him, and I walked away from God completely bitter, angry at God, he said, you didn't, you've done nothing for me, I got a job over at Circa Footwear with uh, Chad Musk, if you guys play Tony Hawk Pro Skater Games, the guy with the boombox, um, I, I, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. He was the biggest thing in skateboarding that time. So he, he hired me to come in and do all the music stuff. And from there, my life took off, man. I was traveling the world nine months out of the year, five-star hotels. I had a company credit card, renting out strip clubs, bringing girls back, um, working with the Deftones, Limp Bizkit, um, uh, 
uh, Dre's camp exhibit. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, um, my life was nuts, like I said. And I was using, I was drinking every single night, using a bunch of, you know, pills and, and Coke was my, my main thing. And fast forwarding, as my life progressed when, in drugs. I was making tons of money, um, living the life that everyone dreamed of. You know, people, my friends would be like, you could party. You know, you got the great life. You're traveling. You're, you're doing, you're, everything's good in your life. And, but inside, I was completely empty. And I was trying to numb that pain that I went through with that girl. So I was just sleeping with as many girls as I could and just, just living like an idiot pretty much, you know, not really caring about no one until finally um, my friend dropped off uh, 40 hits of ecstasy at my house one weekend. Like, well, my friends, they're, they're the drug dealers. Of, they're my friends, but they sell drugs um, from L.A. to San Diego. And they dropped off 40 hits of ecstasy and, we, I called up all my friends over to party that night, and I'm not bragging. I'm just kind of telling you where my head's at to see where I came from to why I'm doing what I do. So we, me and my other friend, we took um, 15 hits of ecstasy throughout the day from, the, from, like, I don't know, noon to, like, 4 in the morning, and I had, like, an eight ball of Coke, and we were drinking all night. Ended it with Xanax. Went to bed, woke up, went to work because I'm a professional drug and alcoholic. My job was to take the team out and show them a good time and to show musicians a good time. Like, par- paid party animal. You know what I mean? So I go to work. Everything's fine. I come back that night. I go to bed. I wake up that in the middle of the night, and I see this black shadow in my room. It was like this creature. And I'm not trying to sound all over-spiritual and like crazy, but literally I was being choked out, pulled into my bed, and I see this black shadow hunched over, and it jumped across my room three times, like boom, boom, and three times at me and disappeared. And it came back three times, and I remember sitting there going, that's a demon, because I knew about fallen angels, you know what I mean, as I grew up. But I never called out to God. I was too prideful. I was like, well, it's gone now, whatever. So I, I woke up the next morning. The other, my other friend called me and said, hey, I was laying in bed last night, and I seen this black shadow, this creature with long hair walking out along my bed. And there's something that he said that pulled him and pulled, was pulling him into the bed. And I, didn't, I told him, I said, I had a similar experience, but I never told him about God because I never talked about God as I grew up. And he ended up getting, he, he's the pastor at our church now. He got saved like four years later. But I told him, I, I never told him about God, and I kept moving on with my life. And I, like I said, I ended up ODing um, a couple times, coming out of it, thank God. And my life was just getting really dark. Still traveling the world, making money, but my, my drug habit went from like alcohol and coke to like mixing. Like I got into heroin, and I got in, I got GHB, heroin, Xanax. If you guys party, you guys know what I'm talking about. It all kind of blends, the, you kind of use it all together. But um, I just started, then I got into um, smoking crack and shooting heroin and it just it got gnarly and there was I was just over it you know and pretty much it got to a point where I ended up in Panama City and I I um I was just miserable after nine days of cocaine I said God if you're real I've been in the music industry in the in the mainstream not Christian I don't even know about the Christian but in the mainstream um Christian industry you know since I was probably 23 years old to 32 years old and skateboarding industry and basically what happened was when I was sitting, I ended up in Panama City after nine days of cocaine and Xanax and booze. You know, we're in South America. That's where the cocaine comes from. I am sitting in my hotel in Panama City. And I'm like, God, if you're real, I pray that you just, I go, I need, just take away this drug problem, my alcohol problem. I want to quit my job. I'll, I'll give it all up for you. And what's funny is now that I'm a Christian, I'm all, give what up? Hell? I heard people say, well, you know, I gave it all up for God. I'm all, fool, what are you talking about? Gave up, gave up what? This is your life. When you have Jesus Christ, this is the real life. You gave up all that hell and you're going to die, go to hell, end up with AIDS or OD. You gave all that up? Well, good job, buddy. Real proud of you. 
So anyway, so I gave it all up for God. And uh, no, I said, God, I said, just listen, man, just forgive me for my sins. I just, I just need you right now. And I just remember, God didn't show up in the clouds of glory, you know. I've taken a lot of LSD, and I was expecting some crazy experience. <laughs> it didn't happen. And I just said, God, I said, just, just, I need you. And I believe that when you, when, you, when you reach out to God and you mean it with your, all your heart, you say, God, I need you, and not just say it. Like you hear people say, oh, God, help me. I'm trying to walk right with you as they're going to, the, to turn on their porn or they're going to buy their sack of weed. And, God, please help me. That's almost like blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the one sin that's not forgiven is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you're truly saying, God, help me, and you're addicted and you're trying to get out of this, addicted to porn or addicted to you know, drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, if you're trying to get away from it and you're trying, that's one thing. But if you're saying, God, help me, and you keep sinning and sinning, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's the one sin that will not be forgiven. So we got to be careful of that, you guys. And like I said, there's, there's something in James that says, uh, draw, uh, draw, close to, draw close to God and he will draw near to you. Is that how it goes? Yes, my memory barely works. <laughs> All right. Yes, that was one. Okay. So but basically what happened was, oh man, I'm sorry. I got ADD. I'm so nervous being up here, you guys. I'm in the Bible Belt. I'm used to L.A. where people are cussing at me and throwing stuff. <laughs> Everyone's so nice here. Um, Okay, so where was I? So I called out to God. I said, God, I said, just listen, I need your help, Lord. Forgive me for my sins. Tell me when my 15 minutes is up. So I, um, I just prayed, said that prayer. There's a Bible in the hotel room they're called Gideon Bibles. I took the Bible out. I started reading it. Nothing happened. Went to bed that night. I was on my way back to LAX. I stole the Bible from the hotel. I put it in my bag. I got on the plane. I read it for six hours straight. I've never read anything for six hours straight in my life. Still. Yeah, I haven't read the Bible that long ever. You know, I read the Bible, but not in those six hours. That's gnarly. So, so I read it for six hours straight. I landed in LAX, and I had this peace in my life. And now that I look back at what was going on in my life is I was in my hotel room. I said, God, come into my life. The Holy Spirit came upon me, came in me. And I start reading the living word of God. You know what I mean? The God's word. I start reading the living word of God because it's alive. It looks like, a, like a, just a dumb book, but you read it, it's living. And I start reading and it starts transforming my life. The Holy Spirit starts manifesting. And all of a sudden I land after six hours, I land in LAX and I have this peace. I'm like, I'm going to read, I'm going to quit my job. You know, I'm coming off crack, heroin, coke. I drink every day, Xanax, like going cold turkey. I'm like, what? So... I have peace in my life. I go home that night. I go to bed. The story even gets better, okay? So I go home, and I'm, I, I, I go to quit my, I wake up the next morning to quit my job, and right when I wake up in the morning, I hear the song singing through my head. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in him. And it kept repeating over and over, and I was tripping out. I was like, what is this? It was just a small, still voice. So I call my dad, because he's a pastor, right? I'm all, dad, I'm all, dude, I woke up, and I was hearing this voice singing through my head. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice to be glad. And he's like, Ryan, he's like, that's the Holy Spirit. And I was like, dude, God is real. I was like, God is so real. I go, I'm going for this. <laughs> so basically, I'm, I get, so I go quit my job. I'm like, I'm out of here. They say, go, get, go to rehab, get clean, and come back to work. So I'm like, all right. You know, because a lot of people, what happens in the industry, it's kids with money, and they get strung out. But so what happens is um, I quit my job. And I basically start reading the Bible, and I'm going to church. I'm just going to give you the fast-forward version, but 
Basically, I'm like, God, I'm going for it, dude. Like, I'm hardcore in the world. I'm going hardcore for Jesus. You know what I mean? Let's do this. So I start following God. I start reading the Bible. I'm going to church. And my life wasn't perfect. But three days after I gave my life to the Lord, God delivered me from all the drugs and alcohol, everything. Three days after from when I landed. But. I still got a sex problem. I still got a porn problem. I got a dirty mouth. You know, I like looking at chicks, you know, and, you know, I got all these other issues. So I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible. And I'm, you know, the word of God is the word of God. You got to do what it says. Be doers, not, not hearers of the word of God. So I'm reading the Bible and I'm going to church. I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm coming home watching porn, you know, and it's funny Watching porn, some people will laugh, but you know what? That's the biggest problem in the church. 86, I think it's 80 per six of men in the church struggle with pornography. There, there's a thing called uh, promise keepers. You old school Christians must know about it. It's a big Bible study thing. That was the survey. 86% of those men struggle with pornography. And 56% of the men that are getting divorced is, is caused from pornography in the marriage. Okay. 86%, that's like this whole side of the room. Trip on that, okay? So what I'm saying is not too funny, right? So I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible. All of a sudden I come across this verse because this is the first time I'm reading the Bible for the first time. I come across that verse and Jesus says, it, he's talking to his disciples and he's like, if you want to be, if any of you guys want to be my followers, you got to turn from your selfish ways, pick up your cross and follow me. And it goes on to say, is there anything... What, Gosh, I knew I was going to forget it, man. Sorry, let me, I want to read the whole thing and not mess it up. Here we go. It says, uh, if any of you guys want to be my followers, you got to turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And in one of the other gospels, it's take, take up, um, turn from your selfish ways daily. Then it goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? When I read that, I was like, porn, done over it. And I'm going to tell you right now, dude, I gave up, I gave up the pornography, but there's not a night that goes by that I think about it. I battle with it. And you know, Paul in, 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 in uh, Paul in, in the New Testament, it talks about how he had a thorn in the flesh. They believe it was an eye disease. Cause do you remember when he got, he was preaching and they did a riot and they stoned him and beat him up and threw him out the, threw him out of the city. Well, they believe that uh, possibly a rock hit his eye and his eyes constantly watered. That's why the book of Corinthians, the text when they found the original manuscripts are really fat writing because you couldn't see well. But my point is Paul said, Paul said, God, please take this thorn in my flesh. And he asked God three times and God didn't take it. And there's some things in our lives, a thorn in our flesh that we reap what we sow. We're going to have to deal with that stuff all the way till we get to heaven. But God will, he'll take away the urge for it because it's your flesh. The more you feed the flesh, the more it grows. The more you starve the flesh, the more it grows. And I like Romans 8, 13. It says, if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you do live after the spirit and do mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. We have to mortify. We have to murder. We have to murder our flesh. We have to put to death the flesh. Now, I stop watching porn. But every day when I'm going up to my room, I'm like thinking about, oh man, you know, turn on that computer, maybe hit Safari, go to my favorite porn site, and then the Holy Spirit starts working in my life. Holy Spirit are those stop signs in your life. The Holy Spirit is like, don't turn on your computer, and you're like, get out of here. Boom, don't go to Safari, get out of here. It's all these stop signs. Don't type in, I'm not going to give you the website because I don't want any of you pervs to go back there. Just joking. <laughs> so, it's those stop signs in your life. Boom, boom, boom. But... 
as you, st- as you start listening, being attuned to the Holy Spirit, and you start hearing his voice, and you murder your flesh, as you put to death, put to death the, the, the flesh, your spirit will grow and take over, and it gets easier and easier. And I just want to encourage you guys with that, you guys. I'm not a perfect Christian. I don't even know what God wants me to be. I just know that I love God. If he wants me to go and speak to the Bible Bell, if he wants me to go speak in the hood in L.A., I'm there. I don't care. It's all powered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ gets the honor and the glory. It's not about religion. It's not about your church. You're not justified by your works. You're justified by by faith, by believing in Jesus Christ. Believing. Your works, I don't care, you kids. I'm not trying to point the finger, but I am. You guys could come to church every every Saturday, go to youth camp. You could do all these things. And if you're double-minded, if you're talking out this side and, do, and saying F-bombs out here and lip, being Mr. Christianese on this side of your mouth, that ain't going to get you to heaven, dude. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about it. Tap into the Holy Spirit. You could heal, you could heal the sick. You could, you could speak in heavenly languages, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the, the visions. God is pouring out his spirit in these last days. Jesus Christ is coming. I talked to kids that are seven years old struggling with porn. Kids, I had my, one of my friends blow his brains out two weeks ago in his car. I've had my friends that have OD'd 17 years old, 16 years old. You guys have it tough. You guys have it worse than us. It's tough because Satan is everywhere. Your computers, guys, has access to the internet, to porn. Dude, I, it's tough. You've got to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Just because you guys live in the, the, the Christian belt, don't, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you guys. All right, I love you guys. This is why I'm so connected to it. Um, it's real. I, I've been in the Christian music industry for 10 years, and I don't, I'm not pointing fingers, and I'm not being critical of anything or anybody but this is the first time that I've actually sat down and saw a ministry where I, I tear up every time because it's legit. Because these guys love Jesus. They don't love the world. They don't love the stardom. They don't love the money. They love Jesus, and they're sharing it. And so I want to introduce Sonny Sandoval, my good friend. Um, Sonny, just talk about how the Whosoever's came about, how the Lord gave you the vision, how you guys got connected in, in, in your heart. I know, like Ryan said, we always get so nervous, and then we just tend to blab our mouths off forever. <laughs> uh, I guess in 15 minutes, we're going to have a Skype visit with Head. Just uh, want to read something real quick. Uh, whew, thank you, Lord. Matthew 9, 35-38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But... When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I just want to tell you guys that God wants to use you. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a million years and you've been sitting in these pews or you just discovered the grace and the goodness of God yesterday. He wants to use your life. 
and you don't have to go through years of seminary school and, 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 and hide off in a church somewhere. He wants to take everything that is in you, that is within you, your faults, your struggles, uh, your doubts, your fears, your weaknesses, and your strengths. And he's going to do the work because in the end, he's the one who's glorified. And if there's anybody in here that's trying to steal God's glory in anything that you do, I would be very, very careful. Because it is God's glory and his alone. And he's the one that does it. And that's what's amazing because the burden is off our shoulders when we trust in God that God is doing it. Um, real quick, I mean, without getting into a lot of stuff like Ryan, we're, we're similar in just in every, in every way. And that's what whosoever's is about. Um, I grew up in a crazy family, and I just speak through because of my time, but I wasn't raised a Christian. It, was, it wasn't because of a, a preaching sermon. or It was because I saw the love of God change a twisted, distorted family, a lost family like mine, and I watched God's grace and mercy come in, clean house, save my mom, my uncle, family. I saw God work. I watched people die. I, I watched my mother as, as she continued to believe in Jesus um, through her deathbed, and it was because of watching her, I, that's when I challenged God, and I said, God, if you're real, come into my life. It, the, the day my mom was in her in coma, or whatever you want to call it, just struggling to live, and all my bitterness towards just the world, towards family, divorce, just everything, getting high all the time, just, you know, the streets that I'm growing up in, it just came to a point where I said, God, if you take my mom, I don't know what I'm going to do because I've lost enough in this life. And that's the only one thing that I have that is good. And if you take her, I'm going to hurt somebody. Or I'm going to hurt me. And I said, God, but I don't want religion. I don't, I don't want their Jesus. The millions of different Jesuses around the world. I don't want that Jesus. I want my mom's Jesus. And if you can give me that, then I, I'm a sinner. I don't need anyone to tell me that. I know it, live it, but I need you to come in, God, and clean me up and, and so that you can have a home right in this heart. And I'm willing. I'm willing because I need it, and I need you. And God did that. He met me at 19 years old in the parking lot, came into my life. I went into the hospital bed. I whispered into my mom's ear because she couldn't talk, couldn't speak, couldn't open her eyes. And I said, Go and be with Jesus. Go and be with Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cool. I got it covered. I'm covered because I know she prayed for me. I know she wanted me to stop being me and get right. And she died that night in peace. And it was after that, that's when I had to put my big boy chonies on and start acting like a man <laughs> and start following God, you know? And I did that. And I, I started going after God. And, then, and, and he allowed me to be in a band I, that... Is amazing because I, I don't like speaking. I'm, you probably can't tell, but I'm sweating underneath and I'm hot and I, I get nervous. It's not my thing. Some people, are, they're just naturals, you know. I'm not a natural. I got asked to be in a band. Why? Because they were playing keg parties and we were going to these, these bands were about standing up for something. And here I was discovering my faith and, and my friends were listening and it was this aggressive, aggro, like movement of music and I thought, you know what, everybody's talking about this, talking about that. Why can't I share about the goodness of God? Why can't I do that in this crazy music? And my heart was to go after my friends because of my friends that were listening to it. It was my community, my neighborhood that was 
that was listening, and I thought, I can do that, you know? And I think God honored that. I don't think it was because we're, you know, we're great, or it's just, we just had passion, and God took that, and then he allowed us to get signed to a major label and sell millions of records and make money and, and do laps around this universe, and just my experience is just is huge, you know? But all in that, even in all of that experience, I lost my way of, of, of being that guy in the parking lot that was broken and lost and just said, God, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm nothing, I'm so lost, I need you so bad. I think once, you know, I, I got into music and then people started wanting things from you and, and then we started being defined as Christian band and all these different stereotypes and then we were never too good, in, we were never good enough for Christians anyway, that's what was crazy. We always played the keg parties in the clubs. I didn't know there was Christian music. I didn't know you can play youth groups in churches. Not that I ever wanted to. It was just, we were just playing the clubs because that's where, that's where my friends were. That's where the people that were lost were. That's, that's someone like me was lost. That's where I was. The first time we got asked to play a church, they stopped us halfway through the song and kicked us off stage. It's just, that's how it goes down, you know. But from that moment, that's when I was like, okay, Lord, you want us to play me. You want us to go out into the world. And, and, and then it was, we were never Christian enough because of our tattoos and, and because of the music and the way we look. So we never fit this mold of religion. But then you know when POD had success, and we got Ron over here, he used to work for Atlantic. When we got success, all of a sudden we were the churches and the Christians' best friend. We were their prodigies, you know. I was like, wait a minute, you don't even know, you don't even know me. You're not worried about my salvation. You're not, you're not concerned of what's going to happen from this point on. And it's crazy. And then all this bitterness and all this stuff starts happening. And then, then I get to know and, and bump elbows and shoulders with rock stars and actors and red carpets on MTV and, and punked and, you know, uh, jets, private jets. Like, that's amazing. I'm from the hood. You know what I mean? That's, to do that is that's crazy. We were flying over like Europe. I think we went to three different countries in one night on a private jet just doing stuff and be able to sit there with the pilots in a small little and looking over Europe and think, this is crazy. Who am I? What, am I? what is this? And in the midst of that, just getting, getting lost of, of, you know, my salvation with Jesus. I love God. Like, that's not, a, that's not even a thought. I love God. I never had a beef with God. You know what I mean? I didn't grow up in an angry home. I grew in a, a religious Catholic, you know, from grandpa and grandma scattered around the world. I always had a love for God. I just didn't know him. I, I knew a religion. I didn't know I could have a relationship with him. And, you know, as, as you go in the business, you know, you just get lukewarm. That's it. You fall in this state of religion like I just, you know, I got to read my Bibles in case anybody asks me. I got to, you know, I pray. I I, it's just a routine. And then here we are just living life. And then all of a sudden, myself gets involved thinking, well, I kind of earned this. You know, I've been a good guy all this time. And, and then you start slipping, start doing things. Why not? You know what I mean? I'm, this is a dream. I'm living a dream here. Why can't I? I'll never deny God. Everybody knows that I'm a good Christian boy because, right, I sang alive. I sang Youth of the Nation, right? I confessed them on TV, right? I sat there with Bill Maher on Politically Incorrect and told him about Jesus, right? So I, I'm justified, right? It, and it's just the devil just messes with you, you know? 
But my heart never changed. I played in front of millions of people around the world. I look into the eyes of kids, and they're lost, man. This world is bananas. If you never left Nashville or just never even left the United States, this world is crazy. And the Bible says that the, that the devil, he's out there. This is his playground. This is his playground. He's going after your kids. He's going after your kids. And he's trying to cut their heads off right where they sit, right where they sleep. And it's not like that just in Nashville. That's happening in our own churches. And we act like it's not happening because why? We're going to church. It doesn't happen here. Around the world, kids are lost, and they're just, they're not looking for religion. They're looking for the Jesus that I read about in the gospel that, that ate and drank and sat and talked and loved and hugged and ultimately died for him. And as I was just having a skyrocket in my career, I just watched the enemy come in to the camp. And before you know it, that's, that's what's the problem, family, is that you don't even know you're lukewarm until you're lukewarm. You know what I mean? Because we have, I, I, this is the saying that always bugs me, or bugs me now, but I have grace for it. It's, hey, God knows my heart. It's like, I can get us in a world of trouble because the Bible says that our heart is deceitfully wicked and who could know it? And it's not that we fall out of love with God, we just love ourselves more, and we just grab what's in front of us, you know, and, and once I had, like, the playbook down, like, okay, we're one of the first Christian bands in the mainstream, and we're not, you know, let's follow by our leaders, like, Striper. I didn't even know who Striper was, but, but I was told that that was the Christian band that made it like us, and, and you know, Let's follow by their example. It's all these different things of what to do, not to do. And it just became such, it's just a headache. And all of a sudden, I'm doing everything that the world's doing. I got problems in my group, and it's just chaos. But for one reason, by God's grace and God's grace alone, I've been with my wife going on 21 years, just celebrating my 15-year anniversary. I got three kids. And the one thing that I wanted the most was just I, just, I just want God to watch over my family. And I got sick of, of just doing shows, playing shows, touring around the world, and it became business. And, and, and it lost the, hey, I wanna go out into the world so that people know Jesus. I believe God still did it through the music, even when I was being stupid. I believe God continues to do it because it's him and not me. But in that time, I said, you know what? Music doesn't define me, and, and I never wanted to be like a rock star. I'm just, I just like playing music because music speaks. It speaks loud, especially when you play loud music. It speaks even louder. And I canceled a tour in Europe, and, and I just told the guys, I love you guys, but I need to go home to my wife and my kids, and I need to be home, and I need to, I need to sit at the king's feet once again. I need to sit at God's feet and make sure that I'm not just fooling myself because I said a prayer in a parking lot the day my mom died. I need to go and sit there and act like I know who my king is and, and serve him and love him and, and do what he wants me to do. And I, in my mind, I put it all aside because I, I, didn't, I didn't want it. I just wanted Jesus. That's it. I was so sick of 
these Christians and this church and that and everybody that had their opinions. It didn't even line up with the word of God. It was just what they thought and how they were raised. And it's confusing. And when you talk to the world, that's why the whole thing with the whosoever started. John 3.16, which is huge right now because of T-Boy and any of you Denver fans. But that scripture has been around forever. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you talk to people about Christianity outside the world, it's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. There's bitterness, hatred. And it's not because they grew up in this a heathen home and they've never heard about God and they just hate God because they're dirty, rotten sinners. These are mostly kids that grew up in the church all their life, have been to church longer than me. And the moment they turn 18 and don't have to live by your religious rules anymore, they go out in the world and live it up. Woo! You were big. Bigger than most people that grew up in secular homes. And they're always sitting on the sidelines just angry and mad. And that's anybody in here. God's not, he's not angry at you. He loves you so much. He's just waiting for you to come on back. I believe that in these last days, there's going to be a huge, huge I believe these are the years of the prodigal son. I believe God's bringing back all those that have got bitter with his church and with religion and just went to the wayside. I believe God's calling them all back because they're going to see the truth. One way or the other, they're going to see the truth. And the truth stands on its own. It doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. The truth is the truth. God's word is the truth. It's living. It's breathing. It's the truth. And it'll grab your kids no matter what they're into. So the whole thing with the whosoever's was God never called us Christians. He said, whosoever believes in my son. All God said, whosoever, that's anybody and everybody. I'm not a whosoever because I wear a whosoever t-shirt. I'm a whosoever because I believe in Jesus. Because God said, whosoever believes in my son. He's just saying, hey, world, whosoever, whosoever, I just want you to believe in my son. Put the religion aside. Put all these things aside. I just want you to believe in my son because what I've learned is that when I sit at the feet of the cross, God does it. Jesus does it. There's big yeses, big noes in the word of God. I understand that. We don't change doctrine. We don't compromise. It's, it's called a, a, it's an experience and a journey with God. But when we give it to God and, and we're willing and we say, God, change this, this heart. Change this mind. He does it. It's like magic. It's like magic. God's magic. He does it. Because all of a sudden, I want to do the things that God wants me to do. I start to think like God. When I, when I want to be sunny, I start thinking like sunny and acting like an idiot. But when I humble myself and go at God's feet every day, it's about you, Lord. It's about you. Please, again, refresh me. I need your spirit again, again, more, more. Let me dig into your word. Let me, let me, let me, what do you want to show me, God? Where do you want to take me? And in these past few years, after giving up POD and everything else, I thought, well, to, what, what to do next to be a good Christian? I'll go sit at church and get involved with church and ministries. And then you get involved with that, and then you see that, dude, there's, there's, there's just nonsense everywhere. We don't have it figured out, people. But after God doing this in me and teaming me up with Ryan and with, and with Head, it's like these are just guys that love God, and Jesus is first. He's, he's first, and, and, and then God does the rest. And now we get the opportunity to go out to anybody and everybody and say, hey, dude, everything you think about Christianity and church, just, let's just put that aside. Can we talk about Jesus? I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're strung out. I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care. It comes down 
to Jesus. And can we have a conversation? Can we talk? Can we just trust that God will do something in the midst? And so in doing that, it's, we, I don't get paid to do this, you know. God called me back. I just finished up a record, and I'm stoked. I'm scared at the same time, but I'm so excited about going back into the world because this is too easy for me. Sitting in church is too easy for me. I need, a, I need to be able to just, I need some challenge, you know. But I'm geared up. I'm geared up. I've been empowered, and I have the authority to go out, and I can't wait to go out and just love people and build relationships with people. And, and people already know I'm a Christian. Now they want to see it, you know, whatever that means. But I want them to see Jesus, you know. And I just got off an awesome tour. We actually played Nashville, like, in August and just, dude, burned it down every time. Like, every time I get up, it's like, Lord, just destroy this place. Like, in your grace, your mercy, just go off. And I just get to go, okay, I'll wrap it up. But that's why it's, that's, that's how the Who Suffer started. It's to let anybody know, you don't need a resume, dude. You don't need a list of goods, bads. You just come just the way you are. And you kids, I encourage you, fall in love with Jesus. You can't live through your mommy and your daddy's relationship with God. Can't live through your pastors and youth pastor. Because ultimately, it's, it's going to start with you and the Lord. So his head's coming? He's here. He's here? Okay. I love you guys. Hey, just go for it. You know what I mean? So good. Head buddy, you here? Yeah, you hear me? What up, bro? How are you? Why you take my time, Sonny? <laughs> How's Detroit? You staying warm? Oh my gosh, it's so cold here. It's Is like it? I got up. It was still dark in uh man, I got I got talk back. Can we get rid of that? Oh it's we like got talk back? Really? How do we get rid of talk back, can we? Like, everything I say echoes. Oh, that's, that's fun. Better. That's that's easy for an ADD guy like me or you, right? Uh, yeah, I'm like, eh, eh. Okay. <laughs> Try um, muting yeah, my uh, mic when Head starts talking and see if that stops it. Yeah? Oh, it's the speakers. Head, do you think you can handle it? Let's do this. Bro. This is a test. Bro, um, we've been talking just about Ryan's testimony, Sonny's testimony, and how the whosoever's have just kind of come together. And one question that I have for you, bro, is you were in one of the biggest rock bands in the world. And you did a lot like what Sonny was talking about with some of the biggest tours in the world. And what was the point? What was the turning point for you when all of a sudden you needed Jesus? And why specifically Jesus? Okay, is there a purple-haired girl in the crowd named Janaya? Yeah, she's right up front between Sonny and Ryan right here. Oh, cool. What up, girl? Be good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Your daddy's watching. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it was just like I just got caught up in the world. You know, it was just like, okay, everything came true. All of our dreams came true. And it was so fun climbing up with corn. You know, it was just like we're climbing that ladder, and it was like, it was the unity and the, the brotherhood was so cool. And, you know, we were messing around with drugs a little bit, but it was more just drinking beer, doing music. And we, we like climbed up that ladder to the top. And once we got to the top, it just seemed like things started breaking down from then. You know, it just became about other things and the unity kind of separated between us. And, and it just we fell into a bunch of stuff like we all got messed up in our families and like uh, we all got divorced, you know. 100% failure in marriages for that band. And, uh, and, uh, 
and the drugs were out of hand, you know, just, it was, we are just, a couple of us just wanted to do the Motley Crue thing, you know, the 80s, it was just like, why can't the 90s be all crazy raging like Motley Crue days, you know, so, you know, you, you start doing that, but then everyone's like sick and hung over every day, and it's like, the you're calling it fun, but really you're like, you're stuck in Bill Murray's movie Groundhog's Day. And it's like, it's everything. You know, you get, all the checks are good. And the creative process of recording an albums, that's all good too. But we just, we fell into the world, you know. And my when when my divorce happened, my wife just, she split and just got with these horrible, like, skinhead dudes and, and all that. And so I tried to get sober for, for a little purple hair. She didn't have purple hair back in the day when she was five, though. But, but she's grown up. Anyway, uh but she, I, I looked at her, and she was, like, all innocent, and she was just, you know, I was like, I got to get clean and sober. I got to do it for her. I got to do this. And so I got, I got sober, and for four months it lasted, and I could hang in corn for four months sober. And then, then I fell back into the drugs, and I fell back into just a partying lifestyle because that stupid knucklehead Osama bin Laden sent the, the, the planes and so I started stressing out my friend. I got sober with him. He's like, dude, you want to go sober? Like, what if they blow up the world? And I was like, man, I don't want to be sober if it all goes down. <laughs> so we started drinking, and it was downhill from there. Like, I tried to be a single dad and, like, and, like, uh, and be a rock star fool drug addict partier all the time, too. So it was just like, you know, I came to Jesus, like, as a last resort. That's how good God is. Like, I tried to go to a rehab place. It didn't work. And then, you know, Jesus... I just ended up at a church, and I was like, man, i got to try this. The pastor was up there talking, saying that Jesus was real and that if, if, you, uh, if you start to hang out with him and just fall in love with him and, and like, just tell him what's up, you know, then, then all the stuff will start to fall away. And that's what I did. I went home, and I just started praying like I was a Christian my whole life. I prayed like this desperate prayer because I was like so, so jacked up. So I was hooked on meth, I was hooked on pills, I was hooked on drinking for like 20 years. And I was like, Jesus, come into my life. You know, I went home and I was like, please take these drugs from me, man. And I was like, I had the drugs right there when I was praying. I was like, you know, that dude said that, that you would do it, you know, so do it for me. Do it for me, too. You know, I was just desperate. And, uh, and he came into my life, so, you know, right after that prayer, like 30 minutes, my phone rang. And it was this dude, he's like, Brian. This is, this is Doug. Dude, I heard you went to my church. I used to do drugs with this guy. I started doing drugs with him. And he's like, Jesus set me free, bro. And like, dude, I'm just, I'm so stoked for you, man. And I was like, right after I prayed, and I was like, <laughs> like, oh my God. It's like, he answers prayers? Like, I felt like I was talking to a wall. And all of a sudden, like, God's like, so, and then I got a scripture. I don't know if I'm going too long here, but... No, you're good. Go for it. Interrupt me if I am, but... Nope. I got the scripture, Matthew eleven twenty eight. somebody gave me. They said, Jesus, I just felt like Jesus wanted you to have the scripture, man. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's mm. Jesus talking. And so, I got that scripture, and then I, I went to church another time, and some lady gave me a card. I had the same scripture, and then I went to a church another time, and the, that scripture was on the screens, and I was like... Either these people like are trying to like fool me and brainwash me, or like God's doing signs and wonders and showing me He's real. And so that's what happened, you know. It just I, I struggled with the drugs for a little bit, and then I ended up like at my house. I remember Janae was asleep, and I was thumbing through my Bible. This is what changed me, though. Like I just felt like eternity come and just wrap around me, and like 
I just felt like some just love like came down on me and it was just like mercy. I just felt mercy and love and like forgiveness. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is God in the room right now. I don't know if it was a Holy Spirit or an angel or whatever, but like it was so real that I was done the next day. I was done with the drugs. I was like, it's, it's all or nothing. Like I'm an all or nothing type of guy. And I gave Jesus my whole life and I've been yeah. going ever, ever since, man. And it's, it's the best thing I ever did. Amen, dude. That's so fresh. Um, yeah, give him a round. Come on. Are you there? That's what's up. Yeah. So, Head, real quick, what's, what's your story with you? you? What's up? Hey, is... Yeah. I lost you, bro. I Are you, can you, you hear me? I see you holding the mic right there. Look, right there. Right there. Can you hear me? <laughs> I don't hear you at all. Oh, no. What happened now? In the name of Jesus, let this technology be healed. Jeez, we're working on it. You can't hear me, so why do I even yell at you? Do you really oh, share eyeliner? I was going to yeah. just ask, do you really share eyeliner with your daughter? <laughs> just kidding. Oh, my God. Yes, um, yes we do. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because, like, Sunny heard us, and uh, I think it was Sunny, but she's like, Dad, can I borrow your eyeliner? <laughs> it was just, like, the funniest one. Hey, That's I don't awesome. know. If I couldn't hear you, if I was talking too long, so sorry, I lost sound. Okay, All right, can you hear me now? Yes. Good. No, you're good. We got time. You're good. I, I just wanted to know real quick, with, with you and Ryan, how did that relationship cultivate and how you entered into the ministry of the whosoever's and your, your heartbeat and how that all lined up? Um, yeah, it's Ryan's fault. He, he called me and him and Sonny were just telling me about the whosoever's and that they hooked up and... Uh, and uh, they're just telling me their vision. And I was like just starting to play shows again. And they're like, hey, you want to play an arena? And I'm like, no. I told Sonny, I'm like, I'm, I don't want to. I haven't played arenas in forever. And I'm trying to sing now. Like, I don't. He's like, just do it. Come on, quit crying. You know, so I was like, I was like, yeah, thanks for calling me. And, you know, and I was honored. And then Ryan was telling me his story and that he read my book and stuff. And I was like, that's so cool. And I, we went and hooked up with Lacey. And, and, and Sonny Ryan and uh, a few others. And we just broke down in Vegas and it was on from then. And uh, so we're just seeing where God takes this thing. We're, we're open. And I'm so sorry I couldn't have been there, man. I was just, it's just a mistake that happened uh, and it won't happen again. Yeah, that's right. No, it's all good. Head, thanks so much for taking your time and, and for Battle Creek for letting you uh, use their office to connect with us here. We really appreciate it, bro. We love you, man. Yeah, I love you guys too, man. So uh, next time, all right? Let's connect when you get back into town. All right, cool. Peace. Love you, buddy. All right, later, man. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I don't want you guys to think that, that what this ministry is about is if you have this really intense testimony of having sex with hookers and doing a ton of drugs and all this stuff. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no nobody said that. Um, just real quick, I wasn't going to share this, but I just felt it on my heart. I grew up in a Christian home my whole life. My parents met Jesus. 
Then they met each other. Then they got married four months after they met. Then they started having kids. So my family, we grew up in the Lord together. Um, so I really didn't understand prejudice. I didn't understand race. I didn't understand division because my parents were so enthralled with the love of Jesus, having just been freshly forgiven and understanding salvation. They just poured that into their kids. And so that's the kind of uh, home that I grew up with. Uh, we, we started a church in Long Beach, California, a Calvary Chapel, and that grew into be a whole fellowship of its own. I moved up to Oregon when I was little and uh, went to a church under a guy named John Corson. Some of you guys might have heard of him. But what happened there is what really affected me was I always loved music. Ever since I was little, I have a picture of me wearing headphones, putting a needle on a record in a, in a diaper. Like, I've always loved music. Um, but what changed me was my parents started a ministry called One Step. And these were people that didn't feel like they belonged in the trophy room or what we would call a sanctuary. Because for some reason in our brain, we think as Christians, we have to be so clean cut and perfect and that we can't have any blemish. And hey, brother, how are you? What's God showing you today? And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying a lot of the time we have to do, be something that we're not. And when we recognize that we're just the scum of the earth and we're forgiven, there's so much freedom in that. And so my parents started this ministry up at this coffee shop of all these folks that were getting off heroin, getting out of prostitution, out of stripping, out of these lifestyles that were just burdening them because they're good people. That's the thing. They were great people. They were just letting something else determine their choices. And when you let something else other than Jesus determine your choices, you're going to wind up in the gutter. And that's not God's fault. That's because God gave us that choice. And so I learned at 12 years old, I'd sit in a round table with this guy saying, I've been clean off heroin for three days. I mean, this guy's missing teeth and fingers because he shoots up so much. And then this person is saying that they just got out of um, just any kind of relationship or situation. And so at 12 years old, I recognized drug use on the other side of the high on the side where they lost their family, they lost their job, they lost their home, they lost everything because they made those decisions. But then they ultimately made the decision to follow Jesus, just simply follow Jesus. And so I took that on and going through the Christian music industry, I've always been burdened by this idea that you gotta be perfect all the time. That there's these rules and regulations, not because the Bible says it, but because I have to look perfect. And that's garbage. Jesus came to abolish that. So when I saw the whosoever's, I think the whosoever's found me, and I think that's what's happening with a lot of people right now. Um, we wanted to show you that DVD because it really explains the heartbeat of what's happening. We're putting on concerts where 20,000 people are showing up out of nowhere. I mean, bands like P.O.D. or Head or Blindside, all these bands, you know, Flyleaf, they're, they're in the general market, but they're all believers. They're sold out for Jesus. You know, we got Ronnie Feist from the Metal Militia um, repping the Whosoever's and just being a huge, huge servant in this ministry. And so we got the whole Metal Militia coming out and jumping their dirt bikes, winning gold medals at the X Games, and then coming out and just ministering to people. And what we're wanting to do is just focus in not only on, like I said, the, the vagabonds and, and the, the people that, that look crazy, but there are so many people that are left for dead by the church, and we don't recognize it. Because what we say is, well, here, let me give you a tract. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. Or we pass a homeless person. We were talking about this on the way here. You pass how many homeless people on the way here, and there's a church on every street corner in Nashville, but the parking lots are half empty. Yet there's all these people out of homes. I mean, we're here to, to work together and to love on people. And I'm not trying to get down on anybody right now. I'm trying to, to hopefully, uh, you know, call to arms 
that we have this opportunity to serve in ways that we never expected until we just say, Lord, use me. And that's what Ryan did. That's what Sonny did. That's what Head's doing. That's what I'm doing is I'm not here to go on a tour bus and go play shows and sign autographs. That's, I don't like that part of my job. My, what, part of my job that I love is just connecting with people and just knowing that these people have these stories of redemption and salvation and that they have been through the same things that I've been through, the heartache the separation, the, the, the just discouragement. But man, when, that, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you have that understanding that God is real and God is here in this room right now. We have prayed the Lord in this room and he is here and he is saying, yes, you are my kids. I'm seeking you. I want you. That's what the whosoever's are about. And thank you so much for being here. We, we got a little time for some Q&A. Does anybody have any questions for, for Ryan or Sonny right now? Anything at all? How you can get involved, what is this, I still don't get it, what can I do to help, anything like that. Do you got any questions at all? Yeah. Say your name too. So stereotype of, of rock bands not being Christian. Sonny, do you want to take this one? Did you hear the question? Do we got mic two set up? Does this work? Yeah, we, there we go, yeah. Well, um, first of all, when we were playing shows, it was, it was because there was people like me that just needed to hear good music and hear that God loved them through this, this crazy music. It wasn't until it started, once they found we were Christians, out there were Christians, it opened up this whole new world, and it's like, and I live by fear, and it's like, I never want to, even today, it's like, I refuse to mock God directly or indirectly and ever market Jesus as a selling tool, and, and it was, it, it wasn't like that, it was big back then anyway. I always felt that, okay, we're open book, everybody knows we're Christians, now we got to be ten times better than the world, because it's already have a stereotype and a judgment, oh, it's Christian, it's going to be weak, it's going to suck, it's no, it's no good. So we just had that mentality of, of you know, going out and, but then again, we're still, we're always battling, like, we're not Christian enough, those guys really aren't Christian, and so when I would get, you know, then I just realized, you know, we're just a rock band, because I don't want to tell the world, we're a Christian rock band, because then they don't want to listen to us, and so if I'm doing a, 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 a interview with Rolling Stone magazine, and there, it was always like their, their question was like, so are you a Christian band? And it's like, I knew what their intentions were. They're trying to tell their readers in the world that they love Jesus, they suck, you really shouldn't listen to them, they're horrible. That's like the inside thing. So I would say, okay, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that, what is Christian rock anyway, first of all? What does that mean to you and your listeners? If you're asking me, am I a Christian? Okay, yes, first of all, yes, I am. But are you asking me that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the living God, that he died for my sins because I'm a dirtbag, raised three days later? Are you asking me that? Does that what that means? Because if you're asking me that, then by yes. But if you're asking me if I'm a Christian rock band, by your million stereotypes out there, then no, I'm not. But then I get slack from the Christians. They totally deny that they're a Christian rock band. I'm like, Who, what? <laughs> You know what I mean? You could write it in black and white, and you always have that one person that just, we used to have, we used to have like internet stuff, people just, they, they criticize everything, man. If I, the way I stood, my ball cap, it was just like, wow, don't you have like, don't you have a lawn to mow? Like, don't you have, don't you have a garden? Like, go 
fall in love with God, you judgmental, like, hypocrite. You know what I mean? And now with the internet, it's like, dude, everybody's got a voice these days. These guys don't even go outside, but they can sit on their computer and pick across, pick apart the entire world. They don't have to live their life and their salvation out in the world. They could sit right there and be Jesus to the whole world, and they could be Savior. So I'm sorry. Amen, <laughs> dude. That's it. Darren. Ryan, closing words? <laughs> I guess. We can answer That's questions all day. <laughs> how, do I, how do I come up after that? Well, we're going to wrap it up. Um, yeah. Opinions are, are, are like butts. Everyone has them, and they all stink. It's true, a lot of people don't leave, they just sit in the front of their computer and they blab, you know. At least we're doing something about it, you know. We're trying, you know, but not that we're having a huge impact. I don't know what we're doing. Well, we'll see when we get to heaven, you know, the people that get saved, you know. People always count, we had 20,000 people come up and give their lives to the Lord. They confessed, but did you guys disciple them? Are they walking with God? You know, that's what's important, is the discipleship. Where are you going? Just joking. Um, <laughs> just playing. All right, we'll end it like this. Um, well, there, there's three kinds of people that are here. There's, there's the, uh, what is it? It's the multitude, the follower, and the disciple. The multitudes are the people that go, oh, yeah, it's Sonny from POD is going to be here, and Head from Corn. I'm going to go check that out. Should be cool. Sounds exciting. They're freaks. They got saved. Or who knows what's going to happen. I just want to see them. I, I used to listen to their music. That's the multitude. Then, so you could be here and you could be part of the multitude. Then there's a follower. The follower is a person that it goes, to, goes to church and they, they came to hear a good message today and they, 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 they give, they go do their, you know, they're part of all the, the different church functions. But then when it comes to that part when they go home and they're walking into the room and Satan starts messing with their mind and saying, you know, watch porn or, you know, trying to get him to go drunk, smoke weed, go sleep with his girlfriend. And that's the person that says they can't deny themselves and they can't follow Jesus. They, they back out. You know, they can't, they can't be a true a disciple. That's the follower. You know, that's like the poser. You know, in skateboarding, skateboarding is you can go, you have guys at the skate park or whatever. They got the shoes. They got the clothes. They board. It's brand new. It's not scratched. And they're sitting there and they're hanging out and they're like posing. You know, they have everything. It's like, and, and that, that happens with Christians too is sometimes we get caught up and we, we have all the stuff, but we don't, we don't actually know what it's all about or knowing what it's about is to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. The power is in obedience. That's where the power comes is obedience to Jesus Christ. Then there, you could be here and you could be a disciple. The disciples are the guys that say, God, I give it all to you. Even though it's painful to murder my flesh, and I hate it, but I'm, I'm going to do it. That's, that's a disciple. Maybe you're here, and I want to just say one thing about sin. Sin's like cotton candy. You look at sin, and Satan paints this picture. Like me, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to Vegas. Dude, we're going to get a bag of Coke, man. We're going to get strippers. We're going to go out and gamble. We're going to hook up with chicks, and that, that's me in my own mind, you know. We're going to go nuts. We're going to ball it up. We're going to stay out there for a week. That's, and that's like that cotton candy you look at. You're like, that looks good. I'll get the pink one. I don't like the green one. You get the pink one, and then you take a big bite of it, and you put it in your mouth, and all of a sudden you're like, you're like, what happened? There's like two little 
pebbles of, of sugar in your mouth. You're like, but it looks so good, that big old pink thing of cotton candy. And that's the way sin is. Satan picks, paints this picture, you know. And I want to, in closing, I want to say something about the Bible too. The Bible is not a salad bar. Sorry, I'm giving you these food, these food things. But I like them because I can relate to them. The food, people look at the Bible and they go, well, I'll take the blessings. Forgiveness, sign me up. Jesus loves me. You know, Jesus forgives. You, you like all that stuff, but then you're like, wait, you can't sleep with my girlfriend? I'll pass on that. Where's the, um, where, where's the, wait, where's that um, forgiveness for my sins again? Okay, take some of that again. Um, you can't, you know, don't, don't, um, what, what are the, don't be a liar, don't be a cheater, anger, uh, all the different things. It's just, people look at the Bible as a salad bar. It's not about a salad bar, you guys. It's like a TV dinner. You get the whole package, whether you like that stupid dessert that's nasty. I can't remember the last time I ate a TV dinner, but I remember looking at this dessert. I'm like, that's nasty. But it doesn't matter if you like it or not. You get it, and it is what it is. It's the Bible. It's like James says, we got to be doers of the word of God, not hearers. It's everything. It's the gospel. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And there's no darkness. In, I can't even quote it right now. But Jesus is the light of the world, guys. And there's no darkness when you have him in you. And if you have any darkness in you and you're struggling with your flesh and you, you can't get it right, today I want to say a prayer for you. I don't care if you're in the multitudes, if you're a follower or if you're a disciple. I'm going to challenge you guys. If there's anyone here that wants to, this is, if you're not a Christian and you don't want religion, you want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that means you want to be forgiven for your sins. That means anything you've ever done, your sin will be wiped away today. You'll be washed white as snow, forgiven for everything. And once you accept Christ in your life, you have that open opportunity as you sin, because we're all rough around the edges. We're all under construction. When you give your life to the Lord, you're under construction. The church is for the, 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 the sick. This is a bunch of, hol we're holy because we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we're sinners by default. We're sinners. So if you think that you came in here with all these perfect people, you're crazy. We're desperate for God. That's why we're here. This is why we're here. So you're at home. And remember, in Mark 3, Jesus went into the synagogue and he said when he walked in, the Pharisees, which were the religious people that day, they saw Jesus walked in and they were watching it and they knew that he was gonna go to the, the guy with the paralyzed hand. So when they walked up, they seen him and Jesus said that he was like, he was angry with the, with the, with the religious people. And he looked at him and he called the guy out and he healed the guy in front of him. What I like about that story is that Jesus is looking for the most messed up person. Even his enemies knew that. They saw him walk in and they saw, they saw Jesus walk in and then they see the guy with the, the deformed hand and they're like, he's gonna go heal him. Like think about where their hearts were. Yeah. Knuckleheads, Pharisees, oh, I wish I was back there, I'd kick them. Back in the day, dude, Pharisees drive me nuts. Anyway, so you can have all your sins washed white as snow today if you're not a Christian and if you're a follower and maybe you haven't. You haven't really made that full commitment. You want to make that full commitment to God. And you want to like, God, I want to be hardcore. I want to walk with you. I don't got it figured out. I'm rough around the edges, Lord, but I'm going to try my best to follow you. I want to talk to you. And then, um, yeah, so that's it. If you guys want to accept Christ, any of you guys, you want to not be a poser anymore. You want to be a real Christian right on for God. And you're going to bring all your baggage. And if you're not a Christian and you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, I want you to stand up at your seat right here. I want to pray for you. And this, your mom, your dad, and your friends aren't going to get you into heaven. And there is a hell. I've seen demons. 
And eternity is forever, you guys. And you don't know what's going to happen. I read about this kid that was 18 years old, senior year, throwing hoops at a game, and he dropped dead on the court. I had my friend blow his head off. I don't know. But I know that the enemy, Satan, the tempter, the dragon, the serpent, he's here to seek, kill, and destroy. That's his one job. And he wants to, he wants to that's his one mission is to take you guys out. Is there anyone here in front of everybody? I would say, put the music on, turn the lights so no one can see you. No. Stand up for God. Be hardcore. Stand up. And I want to say a prayer for you right now. If there's anyone here. Just keep, keep this in mind. In the right Bible, on, the dude. gospel, it says, Caesarea Philippi, that Jesus took his disciples, and I've been there with Ryan twice. It's amazing. God bless you, dude. And he took his disciples to this huge wall where they worshipped pagans and gods, sex, orgies, everything going on for the, this world. It doesn't take a genius to look around this world and say, this world is dying. The, the, our government... Just moral convictions, just life in general is going by the wayside because we've taken God out of everything. And when Jesus stood there, he showed the disciples everything. He didn't hide from anything. You got pagan worshipers. They're worshiping sex. They're worshiping these gods. They're doing everything that we see today in this world, everything that your flesh can desire. And he asked his disciples, God bless you guys. So who do these people say that I am? And they're like, well, some say you're John the Baptist and Elijah. These prophets that they read about, people that they knew. And then Jesus said, okay, but now I'm asking you. I bless you, dude. Who do you say that I am? In the midst of all this garbage in hell, this dying world, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And if there's anything in your heart that's telling you, I know who God is, I want him, I don't have it figured out, but I just want a clean start. That's you today. And Jesus also said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. God bless you, dude. You know what, I'm honored that you guys stand up. I think it's weaker to sit down in your fears and not be honest and be truth. You stand up and you say, you know what? I'm going to leave the world behind me. Not that I have it figured out, but I know Jesus does. And I'm going to go for it. And you know what? That's the people I want to battle with. Because I'm so, I cannot battle in this world anymore with weak, lukewarm, compromising Christians anymore. Because I need people to watch my back. And, I'm t- and I can't get burnt anymore. And I go to battle, I need to be back to back with guys that are on fire with God and are willing to go through the gates of hell. So if that's you, you stand up and you pray. It's an honor. It's not soft. It's not weak. God bless you, man. That's hardcore. That's what's up. That's what's up. This world needs more people like you guys. Period. Period. God bless you, dude. Period. If there's, there's any, I just Bless want to you, say something about the girls. I know a lot of the girls, young girls, you guys are giving yourself to these guys. These guys don't love you. Fall in love with Jesus Christ, and he has a man for you guys, as well as even you guys. There's, I've seen this too much amongst the youth that they're, they're giving, these girls are giving them away. You shouldn't be messing around first base, second base, third base, none of that. No bases. No, zero bases. And if you are dating, you know, 
I, I believe that God has a, someone for everyone, but if you are dating, you don't want to be putting yourselves in situations. Say you're going to go to your friend's house or your girlfriend's house. I'm going to go lay my hands on her and pray for her. You're going to end up in a butt-naked wrestling match, and then you're going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying the reality, you guys, stay pure and holy as, as he is holy. And God will bring that person for you guys. I've seen too many people in the ministry, young people that were helping us out. Three people, I'm going to end with this story. Three people were helping out, three guys. And they were all virgins, and they were helping out. And these, because they got involved with, with the ministry, Satan starts take, bringing girls around to disqualify them. And when you're disqualified, it's like you're a book on the shelf collecting dust. Brought these three girls at these guys, not discrediting them, but I don't think they could ever get these girls in the street. These girls were, you know, amazing for, you know, what they got going on. And uh, basically in, in one week, all three of them fell sexually and they got disqualified, you guys. So Satan's purpose is to, he wants to come in. He wants to mess with you guys. He wants to take you guys down. And then you got to have that stuff running through your head always. You know, why did I do this? Why did I do that? And then if abortions and whatever, you guys know what's going on. But I just want to encourage you with, with that. Jesus has someone for everyone. You, and you people that are single too, I've been single for four years. And I'm not messing around. I don't want to be disqualified and I want to live for God. And I know God's going to bring someone in, in time. But I'm not going to play a game. So any of you guys that are single, that are struggling, because I deal with a lot of people that are like, I've been waiting five years, six years, and this and that. And it's like, God has someone. He's preparing you. God works on both sides of the phone. He's preparing her, and he's preparing you for each other. Like, think about if I started wanting to date someone. I remember some girl wanted to date me when I first became a Christian. I was like, I even knew in my mind. I'm like, no way. Like, God has to do a work in my life right now. And that's the thing is God has to prepare both sides to bring you guys together. So just encourage you single people because um, it's, it's, it's a gnarly thing, you know. And that's how people struggle with porn, too. You want to pray? Sure. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here. God, you don't need uh, these immaculate, just shining buildings that are everywhere here in Nashville, God. But you need a room like this, Lord, so that you can set up shop and set up your tent, God, and work on our hearts. I thank you for these men and women. I thank you, God, that you've searched something up in their hearts and in their minds, God. And it's you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we recognize that without you we're nothing. We recognize that we're sinners, God. And we also recognize that it's your goodness, God, that has, has drawn us to repentance and into this moment. So we ask you that you would cleanse up our hearts. You would forgive us of our sins, Lord. We ask that you would baptize us right now with your Holy Spirit and you would do a, work, a, a huge and awesome work. Just give us peace in our mind, our hearts. Give us the strength to go out. I pray that you would have favor in their lives and you would work out every situation from their home life to their addictions to their struggles to even their religious philosophies, God. I pray that you would break that by your spirit and that you would set them free, God, and that they would walk out this day absolutely and totally in love with you, God. And that they wouldn't walk in a religion, but in, a, in, in your peace and in your gospel. We thank you that you saved us. And we thank you that you desire uh, to do something awesome in our lives. Take us, Lord. Use us. Send us. Um, make us uncomfortable, Lord. I pray you would make us so uncomfortable, God, that we would cling to you. And that uh, we would follow you like lost sheep, God. And we love you. Thank you for this church that loves you, God, and sends out their followers to do your will. 
may we learn by their example. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You guys that are standing, you guys that are standing, when I was in Africa a couple years back, I was sitting down eating uh, French fries. It was weird. And out of nowhere, like something literally swooped down, grabbed my French fry and disappeared. It was a monkey. The, the, uh, the, Jesus said that when the word is planted in your heart, that the, uh, the enemy would come and try to steal that from you. Like a, like a, a rabid monkey out of the, the, like those evil ones in the Wizard of Oz, just coming to pick it out. And I'd love to spend, I'd love to pray with you uh, as soon as we, you can be seated. Um, but I'd love, I'm going to be right over here with a couple of my, uh, can I say bros? Am I too old? Bros. Um, and I'd love to pray with you, get to know you just for a second. And let's not let the enemy come in and, and uh, steal your, the word. Uh, like, just imagine the Wizard of Oz, the evil monkey coming in, uh, flying and is taking the word out. I'm going to be right behind the screen, right here, right by the Wizard of Oz. Um, Oh, the last thing we're going to do, and we're getting ready to land, so put your seat backs up, your tray tables returned to their upright and correct positions. Uh, we have an opportunity to partner with these guys, because they, they aren't getting paid, all right? I, I actually spent however many years of my life getting guys like this paid for a living, and they don't, that's not what they're doing here, but that doesn't mean that there isn't, there isn't the overhead to what they're doing. The fly here, there's hotels, and you get an opportunity to, we, we as a church, uh, as a mission, this conduit mission has given so far over $611,000 into the cause of Christ here and around the world. Uh, we have an opportunity on the here part. We're a global church, not a global, global. We're local here, and I can't think of a better place to put some, some, uh, some of our, uh, our seed to partner with these guys. Uh, anything that you give right now, make it out to conduit mission we will put it all together in one check and then present it to them before they leave here today. I'm not going to pressure you. That's not my gig. Uh, if I'm pressuring you, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do as good of a job as the Holy Spirit would anyway. So I would just ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that I could do for this ministry? Um, uh, guys, if you want to bring buckets forward, we're, again, we could do the great music, that we, maybe a, a, like an old school Michael English song, each of you like wound up, but I'm, don't do that. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If the answer is zero, you might want to ask again, but, <laughs> but just ask. If it's a dollar, if it's a dime, it's just an opportunity to partner with them. There's a story in First uh, Kings chapter 30 where David went in to conquer the Amalekites, and there were some men that couldn't go. They had to stay behind. And when he came back and defeated the enemy, the people that stayed behind got to celebrate in the same way that the men that went into the battle. So when you're sowing uh, into the, what they're doing, you're part of the supply line of this battle for the souls of our kids. Uh, you are going to be rewarded. I don't get to do it. I, again, I don't have a glow-in-the-dark statue of Jesus with posable arms and oil-dispensing hands to give you. I, but Jesus will give you something way bigger than that this side of heaven and the next. So ask what he'd have you to do 100% of whatever goes into that bucket. We're going to give right to, the, to this ministry and let them use it for the cause of Christ, whether it's in Vegas or wherever. And look, I know parents, I'm a middle school daddy, okay? And you think, wow, he said a lot of stuff that my kids cannot unhear, okay? 
my daughter, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Maddie, we were talking last summer, you, we were coming home from a, a youth group night, and they had the, the sex talk, and, and she was kind of irritated because she said it was the PG version, okay? But understand, here's why she was irritated. They're saying, you're going to have to make this decision, somebody, you're going to have to make this choice, and in eighth grade, and she said, Daddy, I had to make that choice three years ago. We're kidding ourselves, Okay? And if you don't think so, go to the bathroom right after down here and just look on any one of these stall doors. You're kidding yourself. I don't want my kids exposed to this. Well, you better lock them up at home. This is the world that we're in, right? So I'd rather them see men and women like this and hear the truth about it than to hear about it on the stall door of a high school to hear the truth, right? So if your kids are a little freaked out or whatever, you're freaked out for your kids I, uh, I'm not sorry. Um, I'd rather him hear it from, uh, from the scriptures. And, and if you don't, if you're mad about it, there's plenty of great churches in town. There would be no hard feelings at all. I'm just saying, we, this is the truth. And I told him, Ryan, man, the truth is the truth in L.A. The truth is in the Bible Belt. It's in Indonesia. The truth is the truth around the world. So I, as a father of four children, am grateful for men and women uh, like you guys that can tell them that what they're seeing and hearing on MTV, on VH1, on Netflix, on Hulu, is a lie. It's a lie, and I, you know, you know how it is, parents. I can say it all day long, and uh, to hear it from folks that have had a front row seat to it, man, I'm just real grateful uh, as a father. I'm not talking as a pastor. I'm talking as a daddy, and I'm just thanks, guys, for this. Thanks for letting us partner with it. Um, Whosoever, that's everybody here is a whosoever. If you want to find out more about how you can get involved, there's this table right out here. You can obviously, uh, with t-shirts and that kind of thing, that's another way to support them, not only financially, but then you're telling the story. People are going to ask you, what is a whosoever? What does that mean? Is that a Dr. Seuss thing? You know, you get a chance to tell the story. Participate that way. Pray for them. Give to them. When you leave here today, give to them. I don't, I don't make a dime off of any of this because I don't, this is about the Lord and their part. So whatever the Lord is saying to you to do, just ask him to speak to you specifically, how you could become a whosoever in your own community and to support these guys and, and, and girls as they go here and around the world. Um, right. We have CDs and DVDs, but I don't, we don't want to take them home, so they should all take them. Okay. Free? Free? As a former manager, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. They don't want to take them home. The CDs and the DVDs. So go see them afterwards. And the, uh, if the Lord prompts you to give them a Holy Ghost handshake, do that. But, uh, but they don't want to take them home. So tell the story. If you take it, promise me that you'll share it with somebody. Bring somebody over to the house. Upload it to YouTube. Send to the links. It's all there. Okay. Guys, have a great week.